0: hello friends this is john and welcome yeah this is jesus and the five stages of conflict huh that's the title for this one this is ambush this is the the podcast that i started a number of years ago because people said that they enjoyed the way i looked at things which for good or bad uh maybe get one of these microphones but i hope you enjoy this and i'm more than that i actually hope it's helpful um i was trained as a pastor and this is one of the ways i try to put that education to good use i recognize that with the internet you can have more of an audience than you usually might especially since this is going up online and people can refer to this as a resource anytime that they want but my goodness in today's day and age and world with protests and riots and politicians all arguing i thought it'd be a great idea to talk about the five stages of conflict and then how they relate to the person of jesus as we read about his interactions with people in the gospels so if you don't mind we're going to go right into it. I don't think there's any other introduction that needs to be said. You might want to have a piece of paper or if you have a a very good memory, that might be good enough. But I found this to be an incredibly helpful schema to understand human interactions and conflict. You ready? Huh? Okay. So a number of years ago, I was working at a church that went through a massive upheaval. Just a, a whole lot of disorganization happened, and there was just a lot of hurt feelings. And I remember, um, in the midst of all of that, there were some very well-trained interim pastors that were brought in to try to help clean up and fix the situation, and there was a whole variety <laughs> of opinions about those people, and really the interims weren't doing anything terrible, but they were certainly pointing out things that were shoved under the rug for too long. And then they became the focus of hate and anger. Um, but I do remember there was one instance where there was a, an open mic night where people could come and air their grievances really just to get out some emotions. It was almost as though it was a a safe space where you could say whatever you want. So it was really more of a town hall than an open mic. And I remember a woman standing up to the microphone. And she got into it and she just started venting all of this pent up venom, all this anger and fury. And then she turned away from the microphone and turned to the person who was hosting it. One of the interim pastors and started screaming at him, from just inches away from his face, and he he just mm hmm mm-hmm. he just kept composure the whole time. It was astounding, and uh, you really couldn't even blame the guy because he wasn't even there when all the bad things happened. But he was just there and became the symbol of the upheaval, and so a lot of people took out their anger upon him. A lot of people took out anger on each other. There was tons of parking lot conversations, really tons of disagreements. But I asked him about that moment afterward. It was maybe the next day or the day after. I asked, how is it possible that you handled that? This, this person was just venting venom, just spewing at you. He said, well, I realized that it's not about me. I just was the easy venting point for all of the pent-up frustration and everything else. And then he led me into a discussion about the five stages of conflict. And from his understanding, he knew that things were going to be fine because there was still quite a bit of distance to go. So what I would love to do is right now is pretty much recount the conversation that he had with me about the five stages. Now, it seems as though in modern culture and the world today that we've forgotten how to disagree well. I'm not sure if it's that we've forgotten. It's, it's that we don't teach it. You can't forget something if you've never been taught it. And certainly in the Gospels, we hear blessed are the peacemakers, but we don't often hear comments of how to go about being a peacemaker. What are the steps or strategies? And that's what I'm going to offer right here right now so the first stage of conflict is going to be obvious a disagreement let's um (laughs) let's use the dr seuss example of the was the the butter battle is that the book what's it called where one people group butter the top side of their bread and the other people group on the other side of the wall butter the lower half of the bread Some butter the top, some butter the bottom. Anyways, it's a wonderful book about the absurdity of escalating conflict. My goodness. So imagine you and someone else have a disagreement over whether or not, let's say you're the one that butters the underside of the bread and they butter the top side of the bread, and then you eat it like that. You could have a disagreement and yeah, that's conflict, but it's a disagreement. You might have just shared your opinions and that's it, but that's just the first stage. The second stage of conflict would be if the two of you got into an argument, emotions started to get into it. You started to raise your voice or you started using some insulting vocabulary. Perhaps you even start to drift into insulting the person as a whole. And how they choose to tie their shoes and everything else and you question their moral character because of how they choose to butter their bread topside up you know but that would be the second stage so the first stage is just to disagree but the second stage is to argue it's when it takes on a different tone or energy that's it's escalated just a bit now the third stage of conflict after disagreement and argument is, quote, the formation of sides. You go and find all of your people that like to to butter the bottom side of their bread, while your counterpart goes and finds their crew of people that like to butter the top side of the bread. And so then there's tribes. There's two groups of people who are starting to identify as being against a particular group. So the third stage has a lot to do with bringing in other people to what started as just a disagreement between you and someone else. But what's interesting is the third stage is when both sides don't know how to disagree. It's when both sides are already doing arguing because it's already escalated. And so then you've got two groups of people rather than just two individuals arguing, not just not having a, a disagreement. They're arguing about whether or not to butter the bottom side of the bread, like you, or the top side of the bread. So that's the third stage. So far we've got Uh, to disagree, to argue, the formation of groups or sides. And then really the fourth stage is the most fascinating to me. This is brilliant. And I don't think I would have noticed this. But the fourth stage of conflict in this situation is when there's a formation of a middle group that just tries to stay neutral. So between the two groups, they try to campaign and get as many people as they can on their side of the argument. Well, there could be a middle group that that forms that says, well, I don't want to join in because if I join your group, they'll hate me. But if I join their group, you'll hate me. And so what you have is the formation of a middle group that tries desperately to maintain neutrality. They might do it by saying nothing, by being silent. They might Try to maintain it by saying, well, you both make good points. You might do it by saying, well, there's good and bad people on both sides, but we're just going to stay right here and not really commit to a particular angle. That would be the fourth side or the fourth stage of conflict. Sorry. We have uh, disagree, to then argue, to then formation of groups, to the formation of a middle And then the fifth stage is just when it hits some straight out violence, um, could be destruction of property. It could be destruction of a person. I mean, this is, this is the stage of war. Now what we have in the midst of all of this is some people think that having a disagreement is on par with violence when really that means you've just skipped a whole bunch of stages in the middle. The the fifth stage, violence, is really when communication has absolutely and utterly fallen apart and no longer seen as a viable option. And so then the only way to solve the conflict is to get rid of the opposite side. So that's violence. That's the fifth stage of conflict. And it's a little easier to navigate conflict when you can identify what stage you're at so then you can also begin to identify oh we're starting to have the formation of a middle where things are escalating let's scale back let's pull back because it's almost um i don't want to say it's human nature to escalate but it's certainly human nature to self-preserve and so when you start to have a group of people that feel against you and certainly seem to be against you it makes sense that you then want to retaliate or meet with equal opposition all right um but we do a real disservice when we think that stage 1 is stage 5 or that we think that stage 2 is stage 5 all of these are just uh guideposts to help identify where you are at in the conflict with your other friend that likes to butter the top side of their bread but when you know the stages, it's almost easier then to know, okay, let's, let's see how we can de-escalate and get this back to just the disagreement. Because you don't ever want to get up close to the final and fifth stage of just having straight out violence. Okay, so that's the five stages. Uh, we had disagreement, then argument, then formation of sides, formation of a middle, and then violence. It just seeks to get rid of Completely of the opposite side through force, power, intimidation, domination, whatever. Okay. So what does this have to do with Jesus? Okay. Well, if you look at the Gospels and across Jesus' lifetime, uh, he certainly had moments of disagreement. And they would come up sometimes, but often if people misunderstood him, especially the disciples, they would ask him for further clarification. And so what seemed like a dispute, he was willing to talk down away from a dispute saying, all right, let me, let me explain myself. You guys that stuck around after I told the parables, let me tell you what the parables mean. So Jesus was interested in pulling back from even dispute by being willing to try to explain. There we go. But when things got to be an argument, he was also pretty interesting because when the Pharisees would come to Jesus and try to argue particular things, he could see past the argument. He could see like the grammar of the way that they were trying to catch him in his words. And so when he saw arguments happening about this topic, he would then redirect, be like, listen, this isn't really about this topic. What we're really arguing about is this other thing. And he would redirect the energy of the argument towards what are the real issues at hand. Isn't that fascinating? So when everyone else wants to argue about surface level things, Jesus, his way of course correcting was to point at the weightier or the more important things. But of course, in Jesus' own lifetime, we have, uh, the formation of sides. He started to have quite the gathering as people would start to follow him. And it became an issue because it felt as though the Pharisees and the people of his day felt as though their tribe was maybe shrinking and joining his side. So even in the gospels, we see the formation of sides, the third stage of conflict. But also it's like people were bouncing back and forth between like, oh, are you on his side or are you on their side? And that's why we have that brilliant passage. What is it? Uh, Whoever is not against us is for us. See? Okay. All right. I see what's happening here. Formation of sides. But we also have uh, the formation of a middle. And who's a perfect example of this but Nicodemus in John 3. He goes to Jesus in secret to ask for some further clarification. And he's confused and he walks away in the dark which is John's version of saying he didn't quite understand things yet. But later on in John's gospel, he certainly seems like a well-wisher because he shows up again when Jesus is crucified, but he's a Pharisee. So he's a part of the other tribe who's against Jesus, but he also goes to Jesus to try to get some clarification. He sounds like he's in the middle. He's not quite a Pharisee, but he's not quite a disciple and he's just kind of a well-wisher at a distance least through most of John's gospel. So there we have the formation of a middle. And it actually says there were some that doubted. There were a lot of people that just didn't know what to do with Jesus. So maybe they were just waiting to see how things were going to pan out. Now, the fifth stage is the breakout of violence. And here's something fascinating. Peter, the hot-headed disciple, tried to do the fifth stage of conflict and violence when the when the roman centurions came to arrest jesus in the garden of gethsemane peter pulled out a sword and cut off the high priest's servant's ear malchus was his name jesus uh peter cuts off his ear peter actually was willing to go to the point of the fifth stage of conflict to violence to try to make sure the cause of his side was going to win But then Jesus tells him to put the sword away. He heals Malchus's ear. And then he says to Peter, those who live by the sword will die by the sword. Those who live by violence will die by violence. Those who live by the fifth stage of conflict will probably die by the fifth stage of conflict. So even there, that's Jesus at the moment when he's being arrested, he de escalates the issue. He tries to de-escalate away from the fifth stage, maybe to try to go back to the fourth stage, but easily you could see Jesus isn't a fan, but then it leads us into the, the passion narratives where unfortunately Jesus is stripped and he's beaten, he's whipped, and then he's made to carry a cross and in the diabolical inversion of a coronation service, he doesn't get a parade. He gets to carry his vehicle of death the cross and he's mocked the whole way and then even as he's being brought out to the top of the mount Golgotha as he's being crucified he prays for the people that use the fifth stage of violence the fifth stage of conflict which is violence on him what does he pray forgive them they don't know what they're doing how brilliant That Jesus, even when violence is being used against him, decides, one, not to retaliate with equal or greater strength. Instead, he prays for the forgiveness of those who are using the fifth stage of conflict. And that they be forgiven. For letting things escalate. For wanting things to escalate to that point. You see, this is fascinating. Like... When you look at the the biographies of Jesus, the Gospels, you can't help but see he's been, throughout all of them, navigating the five stages of conflict. But here's what he does, is that even up to the point of death, even when he's encountering the fifth stage of conflict, he still doesn't give in to the grammar of violence and saying that violence is the way to go. Whew! You might have a disagreement with Jesus, but he'll be willing to talk about. You might argue with Jesus and he'd be willing to endure your insults, but he's going to redirect the issue to the real issue at hand. You might try to have sides with him, but he'll be like, hey, if you're not against me, you're for me. Fourth stage, Jesus seems to be okay with people who are on the edges, but he always invites them in. He always invites them into the conversation, but not into the conflict. And then, man, the cross is itself a condemnation and an exposing of the fifth stage of conflict for being what it is, for being violent and opposite of the rule of God. I mean, a great question I remember hearing from Shane Claiborne is who would Jesus bomb? Hmm? who would jesus crucify who would jesus beat and whip and force to carry a cross outside in the inversion of a parade a mocking parade and then be crucified for what saying love your neighbor see jesus wouldn't ever want to be using the fifth stage of conflict to be dealing with conflict so instead what he does is actually two things one He shows a better way, the way of sacrificial love and forgiveness and praying for your enemies. But at the same time, by doing that, he's also exposing those who use the fifth stage of violence to win as being the ones who are actually the most corrupt, the ones who are the most at fault, the ones who are the most... Outside the kingdom of God, but how wonderful that even to those people who seem addicted to the fifth stage of conflict, violence as a way of getting rid of disagreement, he says, Forgive them, they don't know what they're doing, they just don't know what they're doing. So, what do we do with all of this? Well, I think it means that if you consider yourself committed to the Jesus path. You also have to somewhat be, um, not somewhat, you have to fully be willing to do the hard work of de-escalation. You have to know, hopefully, the five stages of conflict so that you can maybe be one of those peacemakers in the Beatitudes, that you're willing to be one of those people that makes peace, not tries to keep peace. Now, that, that also goes into something else. In the letter from the Birmingham jail, Martin Luther King Jr. writes about how there's two types of peace. There's positive peace, which is the peace that is hard earned through difficult conversations with people who are on the opposite side. That's positive peace. That's peaceableness that has been earned. But then there's negative peace, which is when there's, quote, peace or the lack of violence but only because you've chosen to avoid or not talk about the things that are disagreeable that you might have disagreements with. So MLK would say that's a negative piece, not a positive piece. And I'm going to take my bet that if Jesus were around, he would be on the side of positive peace. And I don't think he would really be willing to admit that negative peace is the best that we could do or that negative peace is even the kind of peace that the kingdom of God wants so know the five stages of conflict they are disagreement to argument formation of sides formation of a middle and violence and always be seeking in all of your endeavors to de-escalate down to disagreement and then see if you can talk things out there but Be careful because there's also these powerful passages in the Bible that say, in your anger, do not sin. And it's very easy in our anger to sin and to let the the stages of conflict escalate, to rise through until we just become violent. And that's when we we sin in anger. So may each of you find yourself uh, hopefully a little bit more with a toolbox to be a peacemaker in this world do not give in to the escalation of conflict but be one of those peacemakers that help to de-escalate and to create the positive peace the mlk wrote about that i also believe jesus would be in full af- full affirmation of as well so yeah blessed are the peacemakers May you be one, may I be one, and may we help this world achieve a positive peace in the name of Jesus. Mm. Grace and peace to all of you. Be well.